0: I haven't there have been a few days this week I wasn't sure. <laughs> We've made it through. Praise God for that. Um we uh in this study study on Peter, Peter's life. Uh, you know, this is uh uh as I as I've been praying and thinking about this message and, and the messages as a whole as I've been studying through this just uh, and it's broken record time, you know. I just I just feel like I just keep seeing myself over and over and over and over again, you know. And I guess there's some kind of comfort to the fact that we know Peter was with Jesus, you know, for all these years of his ministry and was so close to Jesus, and that Jesus would entrust into Peter. We haven't even started talking about that yet. Uh, would would entrust to Peter, you know, so much in the days to come. Uh, you know, it's it's just kind of crazy to think about. Um, and, uh, and at the same time to think that, that the Lord knew all the things that were going to happen, including all the things that we're going to study today and, uh, the things that are still to, to come that we haven't gotten to yet or won't get to today. Uh, but, uh, the subject of betrayal, uh, is, is, is a part of, of, uh, the theme today, if you will, uh, betrayal is such a heavy word, right? Uh, I mean, that's, that's one of those words that, you know, we don't, Uh, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't like that word. You know, we don't, we don't want to be betrayed. We don't want to betray people, especially people we care about. Um, you know, and the truth is, is that there are moments in our lives where we, we do, you know, it happens, it happens to us. It happens to others from us. Uh, you know, we betray the Lord and, you know, choosing sin over him at times. Uh, we don't see it that way usually as it's happening, it just kind of happens. And then all of a sudden we're there. Um, but, uh, you know, this passage that we're studying today um, is this passage that, uh, and, and in fact, I, I wrestled a little bit with whether or not to make this uh, two different messages, but I decided to keep it together because uh, it really is kind of one, you know, kind of thing that kind of flows together, I feel like. So we're going to cover a little bit of ground here, but we're going to the book of Matthew. If you've got a Bible and you want to go ahead and get it out, and if you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles, and they'll be glad to get you one. Uh, we're going to Matthew chapter 26. Um, But in Matthew 26, we have this passage uh, where Jesus, and I mentioned this last week, where we see Jesus picking, you know, favorites a little bit here, you know. Uh, You know, we have, uh, we have Jesus picking, uh, you know, a couple of other of his disciples to go with him and do things that he doesn't take the whole 12 to do. Uh, And that's always Peter, James, and John. It's his inner three, you know, and there's, and I mentioned this before, I mean, there's all, there's Ten thousand leadership principles about that, and uh, we can get into that. We won't get into that, but you can study that on your own if you want to. Um, but you know what we see here is we see an inner circle, and then we see the larger you know bunch of disciples where Jesus is leading them, and he's and uh, leading them to be with him for certain things, to see certain things, to be a part of certain things, and then others to not be a part of certain things. And, uh, and here, I just want to go ahead and jump into it. We have this passage of Matthew 26 where Jesus has decided to go off and spend some time in prayer before they come to take him to kill him and crucify him. And so this is, you know, kind of we've been somewhat in order. I mentioned last week we kind of got out of order a little bit, uh, but we've been somewhat in order. And and talking through some of these passages, and even next week we're going to kind of go, or next couple weeks we're going to kind of go back and forth a little bit, but um, just because some of them are connected. But um, this this week we're seeing uh, this happening right after, uh, right after the Lord's Supper. Okay, right after the washing of the feet. Okay, we talked about that, right? And then, uh, and then, then comes this this time where Jesus wants to go get away with the three, and he. You know, asks them to hang out, you know, hang with him, so to speak, and watch. And, he, and he's going to go, he's, he's, they're going to go together, but then he's kind of going to kind of go a stone's throw away, uh, from where the three are. And so let's just jump into this. Matthew 26, verse 36. And it says this. It says, then Jesus went with them to a plate called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not I, not as I will, but as you will. Now let's stop here. We're going to keep going, but we're going to stop here and kind of talk about this for just a minute. So Jesus again, he's got his three amigos, takes them. Uh, you know, they're they're hanging out with him, doing the thing, um, and uh, and we see him. You know, go to them. Uh, you know, and and he and he even says to to them, "My soul is sorrowful, even." To death, he's troubled, right? And and it says so. It says it says even before that, and in, in verse thirty-seven, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Um, I think that you know this is this is an interesting place for us to see our Savior. You know, we we like to think of our heroes as bulletproof, don't we? You know, we we want we want we want our heroes to be Superman, right? And although Jesus is better than Superman. Jesus still had feelings, he still felt, he was, he was human, but he was also God, you know. This is a huge deal for us to try to, to even try to fathom and understand that he's, you know, even crying out, you know, if there's, you know, if, if you want to take this cup from me, you know, Lord, then, you know, you can do it. And you say, well, he's, if he's God, then who's he praying to? He's praying to the Father, Okay. And and then we see him specifically make this statement, which I think is very important for us to understand about Jesus, his life, and his ministry, which is that it was always about doing the will of the Father. Jesus came to do the work for the Father. I mean this is, you know, the Father sent him, you know, and and so if the funny thing is if you if you look at, you know, the life of Jesus and we were if he was here today and we were going to ask him something in person, you know, about his ministry, he would automatically point us to the Father. You know? So what we see is we see Jesus wrestling in this moment, he's he's already beginning to feel the weight of what's coming. He knows what's coming. What is coming? This cup, this cup, verse 39, and going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, Father, saying, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, as I not as I will, but as you will. And so he's saying this cup, which is that cup is the cup of God's wrath. That would be poured out on him through the cross. Okay. And so taking on death, not just not just for the sake of, you know, I think I think we I think we look at this sometimes, and I think if we're just honest, you know, I think sometimes we just look at this and think, well, it's it's not that big a deal for him because he's Jesus. No, it's still a huge deal. Like he's still, he's still feeling this. He still got to experience this, and I can think back on all the things in my life and all the rough days that I've ever had, whether it be uh, about with depression or something else, you know, just hurting over something or whatever it may be, and at the end of the day, nothing that I have ever been through, nothing that we have ever been through on this planet could even come close to feeling like the wrath of God being poured out on us. Not not just for me but for all people that he that the lord is going to pour that out on jesus for all people the weight of that is unimaginable unimaginable and so we see jesus actually saying things like you know, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He says to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death, even to death. If you, and again, we, you know, we talked about this, keep talking about this so that folks that maybe don't know are tracking with us, I want to always try to make sure I'm bringing everybody along for the ride. The gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are four, uh, different, um, uh, scenarios of Jesus' life, if you will, told by four different people. Imagine four of your friends writing about your life. They're each going to have different things to say. You're going to beg some of them to not write some of those things about you, right, if they really know you. Um, they can send it to me. I will always use it, um, especially from here. Uh, but no, uh, and, and so what? what we have here is we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and so, one of the things that I mentioned before, I love getting to teach things that are in the Gospels and seeing the different things from the other Gospels. In the, in the book of Luke, we see in verse in chapter twenty-two, verse forty-three, it says, "And there appeared to him an angel." This is the same. This is the same section of scripture. Okay, so that we're tracking. This is the same story. It says, "And there, uh, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him." And being in agony, he prayed, and more earnestly, uh, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So again, a little bit different depiction, a little more detail about something that we're not getting in Matthew. And that, that depiction specifically is only in Luke, but Luke was a doctor. And, I, and I'm, always, I'm always interested to see like the things that Luke talks about that the others don't talk about. Um, you know, and, and there truly actually is a condition, uh, and I'll probably butcher this, but I'm going to try, called hematidrosis, where extreme anguish or physical pain causes one's capillary blood vessels to dilate and burst, mixing sweat and blood. And I think for us, this is just you know and 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 was it was it actually blood? I, I don't know. I'm not saying that it was for sure. I mean, I'm I'm really inclined because Luke says the word blood that he really believed that it was, which meant that he must have heard that, you know, and you know from someone that he truly trusted, you know, that maybe he maybe he was digging with with bigger questions than other people might have when it came to that side of things. I don't know. Uh, you know, other people want to argue, well, it wasn't really blood. It was just, you know, you know, I don't care about that. I think what, I think the important piece to walk away from this is that Jesus was going through incredible physical and emotional trauma going through this leading up to the cross leading up to being beat to literally the point of death, right? Right. If we go on in Matthew 26, verse 40, it says this, it says, And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will Be done. He again is speaking toward the cup of God's wrath that is to be poured out on him for the sake of all of us to find forgiveness through his sacrifice of death. And in verse 43, it goes on it says, And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later. Later on, see, the hours at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And if we go back to the beginning of, of that passage, verse 40, they're sleeping. They're sleeping. It says, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, could you not watch with me one hour? Like, bro, come on, do you... Do you know what's about to happen? Like are you hearing what I'm saying? Right? You know, I'm sure this is, you know, how Jesus felt at times. And at the same time because he's Jesus, he's not surprised, right? He knows. He knows what's going on. And the disciples literally just can't hold it together. They just keep falling asleep. He's taken the 3 And yet, even though this is this special moment, special time, all of these things, that even though he's picked these three to go with him, these three can't hold it together to stay awake with him and watch. What's it say? Watch with me one hour. And then he says in verse 41, watch and pray. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Watch and pray. I think this is I think this is great advice. I think for us struggling as a people, as sinners, last time I checked, we're all sinners, okay? Nobody's perfect. For us as sinners to be given direct input from Jesus on how to fight temptation is right here. Watch and pray. Watch what? What are they watching? They're watching their temptation they're watching their sin they're watching the things that they want to do but they know that they shouldn't do it says watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak he's reminding us here you know the spirit by the way he's talking about here is not the holy spirit it's the human spirit right he's 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 saying you know the spirit's willing but the flesh is weak like and we want to do something. You know, we feel this way a lot. You know, I want to do this, but then I choose to do that instead, right? And that's that's totally messing us up a lot of times, right? And Jesus is saying, don't don't lean on your ability to do something here. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. In other words, lean on the Lord and keep your eyes focused on him. I think it's interesting. We see verse 42 again for the second time. He went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he says, your will be done. Your will be done. I mean, and we already already saw this, but let me go back to this and say this because I think that that's like an easy add-on for a prayer for us just to say the words, and father, your will be done. But if we mean it, Those are huge words, not just nice-sounding words. Those are huge words, right? They're huge, huge, because in essence, what we're saying is we're saying, God, everything that I have planned may not be your plan. And so, Lord, whatever your plan is, I'm on with that. Let's go. Let's do whatever you got. And that's a big thing to pray but it's really, it's really where our hearts are. It's really that we should put ourselves in front of the Lord and literally just open our hearts and say, God, just use me and take me and make me yours, right? And in verse 43, it says, And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And I think, come on, Peter. You can do this right just one time just one time that he comes back don't be asleep right you know but this is us this is us we're sinners he's a sinner they're sinners and we fail sometimes miserably i've failed miserably lately i'm just like what in the world is going on right it's like you just don't even you know i had a situation happen the other day with someone I care very much about, and in the end of it, I'm just like, how, "Why did this even happen? Why did we get angry with each other? It's so dumb, you know." But we do that. Verse 44 says, "So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time." For the third time, he goes and prays. I, I think. I think this this is a challenge of where we should be in our prayer life i think i think we're just like let's just do the drive-in drive-through prayer you know like hey i need a number one and i need that with like an extra blessing and you know oh you're out of some of that okay well then i'll take some of this hey and by the way throw in a little bit of your will because i want to make sure that we've got everything covered here right and then we're cruising on, and we're like, "Well, I prayed earlier in the week." <laughs> Jesus, Jesus prays three times in one setting, and and what did it say? It says in verse forty four. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, and saying what? The same words again. There's something. There's something to that. He's Jesus. I'm an idiot, right? I'm just, I'm just thinking, thank you for the amen on that. (laughs) I mean, and I'm just thinking, you know, if, if he, if he's repetitively taking something to the father over and over, I should probably, I should probably like adopt a little bit of that, right? You know? And I think what it is, I think, I think it's, it's, a challenge, especially for us, to just try to get our hearts shaped and moving in the direction of what the Lord wants instead of what we want. And that if we're crying out for that, we'll quit crying out for the stuff that doesn't matter. Right? Verse 45, it says, Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So, interestingly enough, um, in Mark, we have the same piece of Scripture here. But Mark's version, we have... uh, him saying in Mark 14, 41, this phrase, it is enough, it is enough. I always kid, I I talked to Mark sometime back, and if if you were here for any of that, I I kidded a lot how Mark was kind of like the cliff notes of the Gospels. You know, like Mark was like a man of few words, like he'd just like jump on it, just like get to the point, you know? You know, Jesus was born, Jesus died, Jesus rose again, then Jesus is gone, boom, out. You know, that's Mark, you know, with a little bit in between. Uh, interestingly enough, he actually says something, he actually doesn't say a bunch of what is said here and in some of the other gospels, which is pretty typical of Mark. Um, probably reminds you of one of those friends that you're thinking about might write that story about your life, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, he says to abbreviate a bunch of this together, it is enough. And essentially what he's saying is he's like, guys, it's time to go. We've had enough sleep, we've had enough prayer, we've had enough time it is time. It's time for this to happen. It's time to get it on. And so they leave. And in verse 47, it says this. It says, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the 12, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer, had given them a sign saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi! And he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Now, Judas shows up, verse 47, with a bunch of folks. We go back and read that. It says, While he was still speaking... So Jesus is still speaking to God, so this is why I felt like these, these two things kind of just flow together and are part of each other almost, and I wanted to teach them together. It's partly because of just even that, verse 47, the very beginning, while he was still speaking, and you see that actually in the other gospels, some of the other gospels as well, but it says, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the 12, and was with him a great crowd with swords and clubs and chief priests and the elders of the people you know and and so he's he's come with a posse right he's come with all these people and and they're ready to go they're ready to get Jesus they got they got weapons and you know all these things and he tells them you know i'm coming for i'm coming for a kiss in fact if you go to luke 22:48 we have yet another piece that we don't have here in Matthew or in the other gospels where Jesus said to Judas, "Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss?" I mean, I think I'd pay all the money in the world to have Jesus say just about anything to me. But I'm thinking, man, to be to be that guy in that moment and have him say that, like just straight up call him out, like it's going down like that, huh? You're gonna wrap you me out with a kiss. Verse 49, it goes on, it says, And then he came to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then he came and laid hands. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Interestingly enough, the you know, of course, the whole, you know, Greetings, Rabbi, and all that stuff, he's putting on a show. It's all a show, right? He's totally faking it. he makes it, which doesn't ever turn out good for him, and this whole situation. But then you've got this other piece where Jesus calls him friend. He says, friend, do what you came to do. The word friend here is used more of the friend of like an acquaintance. In fact, uh, according to ESV Study Bible, what we see is we see that Jesus used this word in parables speaking of those that took advantage of someone because of a privileged relationship. Let me say that again. So Jesus used this word in parables speaking of those that took advantage of someone because of a privileged relationship. In other words, he didn't use it in like a great way. He used it talking about people in parables that he was referencing that were taking advantage of other people because of whatever the circumstances were. John offers, the book of John offers another piece of the puzzle that we have happening in this particular moment, and it says this in John 18, 4. It says, Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them, Then Jesus said to them, I am he. They drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them, who do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. I think it's interesting to get to see the different pieces of the puzzle all together and to think about this moment He's all these things happening. I imagine, I always imagine like the disciples and, you know, I don't know how much time that they necessarily spent together later on, but I know that, you know, we know for sure that they were together after this later on in the upper room and things like that. But then even beyond that, we we know that they were together, you know, even in pairs or threes or whatever, going out and doing different types of ministry and things uh, together preaching and all these types of things. And, uh, you know, I'll, I just can't help but wonder, like, later on for them, what's it like for them to retell these stories to one another? and You know, for one of them to be like, man, I was just sitting here thinking about that time, you know, that they were about to take Jesus away, and they came with all that stuff, and it was such a crazy moment, and, you know, other ones are piping in, and, oh, yeah, you know, you remember, I, and how they, they all fell down when he told them, I am he, you know, and stuff like that, you know, By the way, that's something that we see throughout Scripture is that falling down is kind of a common reaction to to divine revelation, you know, in other moments in time. And I think for us it's this reminder, he's not just a he, he's the I am. He's the one. Like he says, I am he. And they take a step back and fall down. And if I'm, if I'm one of those dudes that came with my club or came with my sword and all of a sudden I fell down just because this dude said I am he, I'm thinking twice about this whole thing. At least for a split thing, a second, I'm thinking, oh no, we've, we've all already fallen down. What's next, right? And instead he's like, well, then come on, take me and let these guys go. If you're here for me, let these guys go. in verse 51, Matthew 26, it continues on, it says, And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father? and he will at once send more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the Scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? This passage introduces Peter back into what's going on. We know that because John 18.10 says this. John 18.10 says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. Then we also have later in the book of John the name of the servant, which is Malchus, who had his ear cut off. So here's our boy Peter, right? From fisherman to this guy that's pulling a sword and I think there's this, there's, I've heard people ask this question, why did Peter cut this guy's ear off? And just to put it plainly, I, I'm pretty sure it's because he was a bad shot. I mean, you know, first, first of all, I mean, these dudes were rough. They came from a rough background, okay? So I'm, I'm really not surprised that they're willing to go to war for Jesus, okay? And that's what's happened in this moment. And in this moment, I don't think that this is Peter going, I'm going to see if I can slice that dude's ear up real good. You know, he's not Zorro, okay? And so what we've got is we've got a moment where he pulls this sword, uh, probably a, a gladius, which was uh, really kind of a short, shortened sword. Uh, that was more meant for stabbing people, okay? And in fact, I left it at home. I was going to bring, I have a Rambo knife. Anybody ever have a Rambo knife growing up? Just go ahead and admit it. Survival knife, let's go ahead with the survival knives. If you were a kid in the 80s and you were a boy, you had a survival knife because we were ready. We had one (laughs) waterproof match inside that thing. We had a compass on top. Right, you unscrew that thing off, and it had all sorts of stuff in there. It had a saw. It was like a thing with two, I don't know, it was was really bad. Yeah. People, people were, people, the people that were selling those things were laughing all the way to the bank. I can tell you that. But this was a short thing, not, you know, it's not a samurai sword or something like that and you know one of two things either he's trying to hit the dude on the head and knock him to the ground or he's literally trying to kill him. you know and as any and as anybody that works in weapons or training with weapons they will tell you do not pull your weapon unless you plan to use it right and peter was ready to use it he just wasn't that good okay And it's not to say that he wasn't at some point really good. Maybe he was and he's out of practice. I don't know. We're not here to judge his sword skills. But what we are here to do is try to figure out Peter's place in this whole story, which is what? He loves Jesus, cares about him, wants to stand up for him, and in this moment, he tries his best to do so. And what ends up happening is, you know, he has the dude's ear up, right? And then Jesus tells him to put the thing away. And, G- and Jesus says to him, verse four, uh, 53, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and, 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 it, and, and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? By the way, that would be like 72,000 angels. And for those of you that haven't been at 24 Church for very long, we're not talking about precious moments here, okay? We're talking about warriors from heaven ready to slay evil ones, okay? Big deal. Jesus is like, you don't think that I can't get an army together? You don't think I can't take care of all this? Peter, put that thing away. Stop it. You're making yourself look bad, more ways than one. And then verse 54, it says, but then how should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? Jesus is constantly thinking about the scriptures being fulfilled and making sure that God's plan is being fulfilled as a whole. And if you go to, and I'm not going to tell you where, you can go find it yourself, the Psalms, Isaiah, Zechariah, you'll find prophecies that teaches to what we're studying on today that was fulfilled even just because of this moment and because of what the disciples end up doing at the end of this moment even. But also, we have in the book of Luke, Luke 22:51, 51, this other little nugget of joy, which is, but Jesus said, no more of this, and he touched his ear talking about Malchus and healed him. And again, I'm just going back to the situation at hand and I'm thinking about I'm one of these guys that brought a club, you know, I brought a sword, I'm here to get Jesus, we're going to take this guy away. And when he told us who he was and we all fell down, I was a little freaked out. And now I'm back on my feet and one of his buddies chops off the ear of this dude's servant, and then he walks over and touches it and heals it. And I'm just like, hmm. <laughs> Not sure about this, but I guess I've got to go along with the gang since this is what we came to do and this is what I get paid for. And in Matthew 26:55, it says this, and it says... At the hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Now I'm reminded here, you know, as, as much as sometimes we want Jesus to be this warrior that like zaps everybody that's in his way and all this kind of stuff, maybe that's just me. Um, but as, as much as we might want that sometimes, he didn't come to be that guy. He he didn't he didn't turn to Peter and was like, "Hey, see what you did there with his ear? That's nice." No, he healed him. Which is this reminder for us today that Jesus didn't come to take life, He came to give it. I'm going to say that again. Jesus didn't come to take life, He came to give it. Jesus asking them, you know, why'd you come with force? What'd you bring the weapons for? I'm right here. Let's go. I'm ready. Through all the anguish and the pain, sweating blood, praying to the Lord, if you can take this cup from me. And yet he's still standing there and he's still saying, I'm willing. Take me now. In fact, he's like, I've been in the, I've been in the courts, I've been teaching in the temple. I mean, you know, I've been here. You didn't have to bring all that. You know that. And at the same time, we see this theme of the disciples struggling to be faithful, right? Struggling to be faithful, just even just even in the simplest of things, right? Not, not talking about like in this crazy moment where they're trying to decide, should we run for our lives? Because there's all these people here with weapons and are they going to take us too? But literally like... Jesus asking them to come come with me and pray with me. And they can't even do that, right? And then as soon as he's arrested, they split, which is fulfilling scripture. So he's not surprised. And we're reminded of the cup to come, the punishment to come, the beating that will come not just the not just the death not just the pain but that he would take the wrath of god for all of us that we might have life in him got another esv study bible quote to read to you but i got to read you a verse that i haven't read yet also from the same passage but the book of john John 18, 1. In John 18, 1, it says this. It says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook of Kidron, that where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now, this is the beginning of the passage where Judas and all these people are going to come and get him, okay? That's all I'm reading to you. Kidron was a... Uh, stream, brook, small river. And Kidron has history over the course of scripture. Many times we see it mentioned before, but it was specifically a place that King David found himself. And if I may remind you, King David is one of the great, 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 great grandfathers of Jesus. And in fact, a lot of the prophecy back then was, you know, that that King David would rule. You know, it was going to be King David or King David's lineage. A lot of them struggled. They thought King David was going to come back. It was, you know, it was really all about Jesus to come. But it says this, and I, want to, I just want to read it as, as it's written uh, from Gospel Transformation Study Bible. It says this about that passage. It says, earlier in, history of, earlier in the history of redemption, another king crossed the Kidron Valley, reeling in the pain of betrayal. King David, barefoot and weeping, went away from Jerusalem because his son, Absalom, had conspired to replace his father by force, enlisting a small army to assist him. You remember this? David's friend, dear friend and counselor, Erythropel, was also a part of the conspiracy. King David fled from their advances, but Jesus the greater shepherd, greater king, promised, fled, I'm sorry, promised in 2 Samuel 7, fled into the betrayal of those closest to him Judas and Peter. We think about Judas. We think about Judas betraying Jesus. We don't even like the thought of lumping Peter, our guy, into that same boat with him. Heaven forbid we'd ever do that. But in the weeks to come, we're going to see something that Jesus predicted would happen and something that does happen that leads us to understanding that. Betrayal, that's a tough word. And I think about how many times in my life I've betrayed the Lord by choosing something that I thought was better than Him. I I just want to encourage you today that doesn't matter how many times we've betrayed the Lord, His grace is good enough for every single time. One of my girls, and by the way, let me preface this with saying that I am so grateful for Jason Pennington and for David Rawls and the work that they do in our church. So grateful. And you should hug them and take them to dinner and whatever. Buy them a car. I know Dave needs one. One of my girls came to me last night and asked the question, How do I know that I'm saved? She was baptized when she was younger and she's just working through some things. And I said, well, honey, I said that can go a couple different ways. You know, it can be, it can be that, you know, Satan loves for us to doubt. You know, and if we can doubt ourselves, if he can get us to doubt ourselves, you know, a lot of times we we just kind of become worthless as as believers, as Christians, you know. And he doesn't he doesn't want us to reap fruit for the kingdom of God. He doesn't want us to follow the Lord. It's like, or the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. And he helps us to see that we need him. And that maybe. Maybe like I was when I was a kid, I got baptized as a kid. And so there came a point when I was a young teenager where God showed me, you know a lot about me, but you don't know me. And she said, that's what's happening in my heart. I said, honey, I said, let's read this scripture. Romans 10, verse 9 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let me read that again. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says everyone, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. If you're here and you have never believed. The Lord loves you. He sent His Son to die for you. Jesus went through all of this for all of us. Not to just be good church people. Not to look a certain way. Not to act a certain way. But to be changed by His grace and be made part of a family of God where He wants to do great things in our hearts and in our lives and be glorified in us that other people would know who he is because they know us. And so if you've never trusted, if you've never believed, I encourage you today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out in the foyer. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you about what that looks like. Encourage you. I'm, I'm not a pressure guy. I don't care. It's whatever the Lord's doing in your heart. I want to help you with that, right? And for the rest of us that already have believed, may we be found faithful. Maybe God's spoken to you in your heart some way today through this passage and seeing Peter. Maybe you've got sin in your life, temptation that you need to watch and pray about. Let's get on it. Start praying. Start watching. Start looking at it. Quit ignoring it. Like move on. Let let let, let God slay that demon in your life and let him be victorious over it. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for. Your word. God, we thank you that even through betrayal, God, I, I thank you that you still love us. You still care for us, even the worst of us. God, that you still sent Jesus to the cross for us, an empty tomb for us. As Jesus says, it is enough, and it is enough. And it's the only thing that saves us. Not ourselves, not our good works. God, I just pray that we would see that and that we would trust in you today. God, for all the things. God, slay the demons in our lives for those of us that are believers. Lord, help us to fight off the temptation, Lord, that we know we need to. God, for anyone that's never trusted in you, believed, God, I pray that today would be the day they believe. God, help us. Help us even those of us that have been believers for a long time, to believe on the days that it's heart, God, guide our steps, guide our thoughts. Lead us with your Spirit. We ask all this today in your Son's name. Amen.